Have you realized yet that your purpose in life is constantly evolving? The thing is, it can only evolve, grow, and expand to the extent you're willing to do the work to heal. That's why I've created a transformative half-day virtual event designed for purpose chasers who want to integrate their authentic selves in every aspect of their life. Together, we're going to co-create conversations around reflecting on current patterns, amplifying your genuine desires, prioritizing fulfillment over the facade of what you should do, and we'll talk about achieving actual tangible results. I believe our work together will have a profound impact on your life as we break you out of autopilot, scale your potential, and set you up to attract everything you say you desire. Plus, this space will be an enjoyable and supportive environment for new connections with like-hearted purpose chasers from all over the world. Together, we will laugh, dance, and maybe cry, but we'll be doing the work together. If this speaks to your soul and you want to detox and release what's no longer serving you so you can live fully in the pillars of redefining wealth, tickets are currently complimentary for this half day of coaching, training, and co-creating a new blueprint for your heart's desires directly with me. So grab your ticket today at patricewashington.com slash soul detox. That's patricewashington.com slash soul detox. Not everybody is going to be who we need them to be. Not everybody is going to be who we want them to be. But those choices that they have made in our lives, yes, they can shape us, but they don't have to be our deciding factor of how we move forward. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. And if you're brand new, here's what you need to know. This is a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being. And so every week, we focus on well-being in six pillars, and these are the areas of life that impact our finances, even when we're not thinking about it. If you need to get caught up, and I suggest you do, head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Again, the pillars can be broken down for you at patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Before we dive into this week's episode, it's brought to you by our Redefining Wealth private Facebook community. Yes, we have a community of purpose chasers from all over the globe. I don't believe that greatness can be created in isolation. You need people and you need like-hearted, not just like-minded folks around you. So join our free Facebook community at IamAPurposeChaser.com. You'll get to meet purpose chasers who are near you. Yes, in your own country, wherever you are. You can suggest show topics and guests and even get early access to upcoming events and programs. Purpose chasers always know first. So join us at IamAPurposeChaser.com. I was so looking forward to recording this episode, and now I've been looking forward to you finally hearing it. I was so blessed to receive a copy of Alexandra L's book, After the Rain, and I instantly pre-ordered for everyone on my team. I just want every woman I know to have these gentle reminders about just healing and life and love and family and all the things that we value so much here at Redefining Wealth. So let me read her official bio and let's just dive into the goodness. Alexandra L. is an author and wellness consultant living in the Washington, D.C. metro area with her husband and children. Writing came into her life by way of therapy and the exploration of healing through journaling. Quarterly, Alex teaches workshops and retreats centered around assisting others in finding their voices through storytelling, poetry, and narrative writing rooted in truth without shame. Her mission is to build community and self-care practices through literature and language. Her new book, After the Rain, is such a game changer, and I can't wait for you to hear more. Without further ado, here is Alexandra L. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth podcast, Alex. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you, Patrice. Girl, the fangirl (laughs) moment is real here. It's it's real, okay? 
I was telling you before we started recording, everyone on my team knows how excited I was when you said yes, because I don't know the last time I've been moved by a book in this way. I can honestly say that it's not to gas you up, although I enjoy gassing my girls up, but it's not (laughs) to gas you up. I got this book after the rain out of the blue. Your publisher just sent it to me. They didn't email and say, hey, can we send it? They weren't like, hey, look out for this. I literally just got it in the mail. And the first thing I thought was, wow, this is beautiful. It is a beautiful book. I'm very proud of it. It's stunning. Thank you. Stunning. And I'm like, wow, this is beautiful. So it automatically makes you want to open it up. And I just flipped to a page and start reading. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. You need to make coffee, sit down and start from the beginning. That's literally what Mm -hmm. happened. I read like a page or two and I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Because honestly, Alex, I had never heard of you before this. I don't know where I've been. Girl, wow, I, I was that's under awesome. A rock. I love that. Yeah, I love it. I, I love it even more. <laughs> I, I was crawling out of, and then I started taking pictures of it and sending it to people I knew. And I was like, hey, this book is coming out. You need to get this. I just start like wow. it to random people. And they were like, oh, I love her. I'm like, well, why you never tell me? How like what do you <laughs> mean? Oh, I love her. <laughs> divine timing, divine alignment. I'm even more excited to chat now since you are new to the community and I am just really excited to oh. be here. And your enthusiasm is really like lighting me up right now. So thank you. Oh my gosh. It was just so good. So I read it over the weekend, the weekend that I got it. And then I started to read it again for comprehension. Because the first time I read it, it was just to be like, mm, mm, mm. she said, mm. <laughs> I know, right? And then I had to start reading again to literally comprehend. And now I'm at the point of pre-ordered a second copy because I need one to underline in and then one just to keep pretty. I couldn't bring myself to underline in this original one. I just, mm. you know, and I couldn't dog ear it. It was too pretty. So You have done an incredible work and I'm so honored to have you on the podcast because here we're all about, it's called Redefining Wealth, of course, but it's about chasing purpose, not money. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that really struck me about what I know thus far of your story is just how purposeful your journey seems to have been. There's one moment where I want to start, which is when you were at the last job I think you may have had before ever had. (laughs) Mm-hmm. launched into writing and someone talked to you a little crazy and it took me back. The thing I loved is your book has taken me back to so many points on my own journey. Mm-hmm. And the moment someone talked to me crazy and I was like, you know what? This going to be the day, right? You had a, this going to be the day <laughs> moment. So tell us who, like where you were at that time before who we know you as today. Mm. You're talking about the very first lesson slash chapter of the book, and it's called Change. And it's absolutely my favorite chapter. I'm so glad my editor nudged me to have that be the opening of After the Rain, because it really does kind of set the tone for my career starting and also like this new sense of like self-discovery and self-identity. So yes, that was the last job I ever had. I had a really narcissistic boss who was not very nice and it came out, oh my gosh, I'm just recalling it now. It came out of this like experience of not trusting myself from the beginning to follow my path. I had been kind of preparing to leave that job. I had a best-selling book out at the time, my very first book, my baby book, which was literally just a collection of affirmations and poems that I had self-published. And it was really taking off. And I was still scared to lean into the fact that I am a writer. I was a writer. I wasn't really claiming it back then. I was also a single mom at the time. I was dating my now husband, but we were long distance and it was just a lot of transformation happening. And I knew that I didn't want to continue commuting from Maryland to DC. My oldest daughter, who is now 12, was 
five going into kindergarten at the time. And I think um, she might've even been younger than that. And I just remember thinking like, I don't want to miss anything. And I also don't want to continue working for someone else and not being valued in the work that I was doing. And it's so interesting because in that lesson, I talked about how I was like a terrible employee leading up to that job. And then I had kind of gotten my stuff together and became an upstanding employee. And then I still, I wasn't valued. So like having that kind of tug of war between not doing the right thing at first, finding my footing, then doing the right thing, and then kind of being pushed into my career was really eye-opening. And I will never forget that day. I still see it very vividly. And it was interesting because I had put my two weeks in at that last job and had a sit down with that same boss who just sang my praises when I did that and begged me to stay at that job. Two weeks to the day, it's so interesting how God and the universe works, right? Two weeks to the day, he made a really nasty comment to me, which I outline in in that essay. And I quit. And I think that was kind of God and the universe saying, here you go again, like not trusting yourself and your intuition. So now we're going to give you a reason to leave. Mm -hmm. And it was really transformational. I was scared out of my mind. Yes, I had a best-selling, you know, self-published baby book out, but also I had this kid. I knew that I had to do something. I was quitting a job and not having any income. I did have savings. I had all this like worry, no health insurance, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like Mm -hmm. thinking about all these different things. And funnily enough, I left and I literally bowed out. I literally bowed to him (laughs) and said, (laughs) namaste, literally. Like I was, I was like deep in my yoga practice then. And I was like, dude, I'm out of here. Like, you're not going to talk to me crazy. And then expect me to stay, especially as a black woman in the workplace, there was a lot of hierarchy and there was a lot of kind of institutionalized racism that was going on as well, which now I can name as a 31 year old woman. Like looking back, I kind of just thought I was being mistreated just because he didn't like me, but it was so many other things as well. After I left that job, I called my now husband and I said, I just quit my job. And he was like, it's about time. Like Uh you you were born for this. You were made for this work. And now it's time for you to start trusting your walk. And I was like, you're right. I'm either going to fly or I'm going to fail, but I'm not going to not try. And from that day, I have been flying ever since. And I would say about a month after leaving the job, I got my first big speaking engagement at Ohio State University and was paid more than I'd ever made at a traditional job in one sitting. And I was like, wow, like Uh this is what it means and looks like to lean into your purpose, not have it all figured out but to trust yourself and to prepare for greatness. And that's what change really taught me to do is, (laughs) yes, to have my fumbles and missteps along the way, but also stand in my power and trust myself. And now I'm here years later. (laughs) I love it. There's, There's so much there to unpack. The first visual that I just had, though, is of you getting ready to straddle the fence Mm-hmm. Right. To kind of straddle the fence. And like you said, kind of not bet on yourself because, yep. hey, responsibilities. I have a kid. I need insurance. There's rent. There's this. There's that. There's all the things. Right. Which is what comes up for most people when they know that they are purpose to do something. But the responsibilities just seem so overwhelming that they're like, but how how do I go do this thing? And for many of us, we have to get pushed into purpose. Mm-hmm. That's like real talk. <laughs> like yeah. many people, doesn't matter that you've been doing it or that you've seen some measure of success. I think that all of the backstory and the doubt, the fears, the insecurities, all the stuff that we bring to those moments still have a greater impact than I think yeah. we openly acknowledge in those moments. And so we usually cling to what's familiar. I was going to say those exact words. Yes. Yes. You are right. There's so much. I feel like I know so much. This book is so good, you guys. Okay. So you mentioned, which was really important to me too. My daughter's 13 now. So I'm just a little ahead of you here that you didn't want to miss out, right? Like the commute 
and the going back and forth and the working, you didn't want to miss out on that experience as well of just the flexibility of how you could raise your daughter. Mm -hmm. And that was such a big piece for me as well as a mom. The same stuff. Like I was the last person to pick her up, right? Like I had to take her super early and I'd have to commute in crazy Atlanta traffic. And then the powers that be would still have an attitude, but I was crushing it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know what? Why am I even putting up with any of this? As a mom, what has pursuing your purpose just allowed? What space has it created for you as a mother? Mm. That's a really great question because now I'm a mother to three daughters. So I have my 12-year-old who would who will actually be 13 in November. I have a two-and-a-half-year-old and I have a newly one-year-old. Oh, um, wow. So yes, we have a full house over here. And I think purpose has allowed me to show my children, my oldest in particular, that if you work hard, if you stay committed, if you're a kind person, if you trust your intuition, then who knows what will come to fruition. And it's interesting too, because she's an artist. And so her to grow up in an artistic home and now be an artist herself, it also kind of affirms her, you know, without me having to really say much. I mean, of course, we give her words of affirmation, my husband and I, but she sees it and she's a witness to it. And I think for young Black kids, especially young Black girls, it is so important to see that you have a choice and that your life is valuable and that you are important. And if I wasn't home with her then and then my two little ones, I think it would be really challenging for me to be able to hold space for that type of display of affirmation. And I just knew that I wanted to be a hands-on parent too. I wanted to be present. I wanted to be in the school. I wanted to be able to show up in ways that my mother just couldn't. I just find that that is really important and necessary for our youth. And also it shows that it's not just one way to do things and that we don't have to struggle through things, through life. And when I say struggle, I'm not necessarily talking about financially or anything like that, but like that emotional struggle, right? Of like picking and choosing. And I know that I have a great privilege to be able to say X, Y, and Z and do that. But I also worked really hard to change the trajectory of my life. I mean, I had my oldest daughter. I was 18. The cards were stacked against me. I was 18, unwed and lost. So to be able to make the choice to take ownership of my life in the ways that I have is extremely, extremely valuable to me. And I do not take my hard work for granted, even though some days it's 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 challenging to lean into because as i mentioned the cards were stacked against me and i have had to work harder because of you know my past and um it's taught me a lot it's taught me so much about resilience self trust self love and self validation which i am honored to be able to show my three young daughters yeah i love it i love it as a mom I really also take the responsibility seriously of showing Reagan what's possible. Yeah. Like just that it's possible as a woman, as a black woman to have a thriving family life, but also to have a thriving career. And that as much as I am called to be her mother and to be my husband's wife, I'm very much called to do the work that I do here as well. And there's space for both. Yes. And Really proud, really proud of that. And, you know, you said something as well. One of the things that really made that imperative for me, like something I just wanted to be able to show her so badly was because my mom just didn't have the capacity either. Mm-hmm. I remember one time giving, slipping a note in my mom's purse that she never acknowledged. <laughs> I mm-hmm. don't think she's acknowledged to this day, but the note said, if you didn't want me, why did you have me? Ooh, ooh. And I could tell from reading that you had 
a strained relationship at different points with your mom. And I never really felt like it was completely strained, but I just felt like, you know, I didn't understand why she always had to work. You know, you're a little kid. And I don't understand, you know, how bills work and how money works. And <laughs> now all we stuff. do, Lord. Right, right. <laughs> now I definitely do, you know, but in second grade, third grade, I was like, I felt like it was a choice for her to leave, but right. she was choosing to go. Mm. Um, so there was, there was a lot that you kind of talk about, about some of the pain that your mom even experienced and how that connected to your experience. But then I noticed that when you left the job, it seemed like either she was there or she was one of the first people you called. And she was the second person I called. And the second person. How did that, so how did, how has your relationship, where did it start and how has it evolved over time? Mm. So my mom was the second person I, I called to tell because she was probably least supportive of me quitting my job. Our relationship was on the mend back then early stages of mending. And I remember saying something along the lines of, I just quit my job. She worked actually down the street on L Street. I was on M Street in DC. I remember calling her and saying, I just quit my job and you can either support that choice or not, but I I did it. And she said that she was in support. And I was like, whoa, wow, awesome. Okay, Um, (laughs) was not expecting that. But I think... Our relationship has come a long, long way and we are still mending, but we are having breakthroughs. And I think that that's really important because a lot of folks may have challenging relationships with their parents, especially the the people who, you know, the mothers who, you know, we share bodies with, if we think about it in that way. And for a long time, I just felt really neglected. I felt unwanted. I was uh, physically and verbally abused often. And now, you know, we can call it that and name it as abuse, um, which was really challenging for her because I think she was just doing what she knew. But there's a big difference between, you know, spanking and beating a child. Um, There's a big difference. And I don't spank my kids. I don't touch my kids um, aggressively because of that. If it's not rooted in love, you know, it doesn't happen. And even the, even when it comes to discipline, and I think because of the trauma that I went through as a child, I just have made a lot of different choices in a good way than my mother. And I think that's the greatest lesson that both of us have realized is our children are supposed to be better than us. We just had a conversation recently around my 31st birthday um, in July, and she apologized for her behavior, for uh, her lack of love, her lack of affection, and her lack of knowing. And I think holding space for my mother to be just a woman, not just a mother, has given me the tools and the language and the compassion for her as an individual and not just as the person who brought me into this world. So as, as you read through the book, I think I think my second favorite essay is comparison. And I'm talking about a visit I took to a friend's farm and the relationship that friend had with her mother and how I was jealous and envious about that. And then my mom, you know, was came over not long after that visit and folded all the baby's laundry and organized it by size and color. And that was her way of showing love, even though it's not the same as how my friend was experiencing love. It was still an act of love. So being gracious to what people have the capacity to do and what they can't is something that I continue to learn and that I'm learning, especially as I'm mending the relationship with my mother, who is an amazing grandmother and who has come a long way and like getting to know her as a woman has been really transformative. I think for the both of us, in the realms of acceptance, you know, and, and understanding one another from different perspectives. Mm, so good. So good. What I love so much about After the Rain is just the healing, all of the things that come together just to facilitate healing in general of all these different traumas for many of us, childhood trauma, because we truly have a belief here that your life is only going to grow to the extent that you're willing to heal. Mm. 
and do the work. So whether that's your finances or your business or even the relationships that you have the capacity for, those things are only going to grow to the extent that you're willing to do some of this work. And forgiveness is a big piece of that. Mm-hmm. It's a big piece. And one of my favorite chapters is time too. I mm-hmm. love time where mm-hmm. you also talk about your biological father and waiting. And, and you talk about waiting for him and this repetitive disappointment that would develop and how it kind of taught you to rush through everything. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Just that piece, because I just love the way that you you connected the, the two. And I went through my own disappointments with my biological father, although I always knew him. He was always in my life. We were always disconnected because I didn't feel like he cared to know anything about me beyond achievement. Hmm. So I was constantly earning love, not just getting it just for the sake of I'm your daughter. So I right. deserve it. Mm, um, that's so interesting. And time is healing that. My dad just turned 80. And wow. like you with your mom, I'm just learning to love him for who he is as a man. <laughs> he just, he didn't have it. He just didn't have the capacity, he didn't grow up with affection. That wasn't, you know, so many things there. But can you talk a little bit about time and the lesson you learned from your dad? Yeah, so I actually haven't had a relationship with my biological father in about 14 years. So it's been a long time and um, a very good choice for me emotionally, because unfortunately, he's a narcissist and it's very, very toxic and unhealthy. So I mentioned him in this piece because I think that's where I learned how to like I think as a young Black girl sitting and waiting for someone who was never really going to show up or who was going to show up late or who was going to not be present when they did show up taught me that that's what men do. And even though my stepdad, who was an amazing, awesome man, was in my life, it was challenging to connect the two of like, there is someone who's around and there's also someone who's not. And I think in my growth into a woman, I have had to struggle a lot with what it means to value time and what it means to share my time. And I learned that very young, that people don't value me. That's how I felt. But unlearning that as an adult has given me a lot of space to explore who does value my time and what is worth and deserving of my energy. And I wrote, I wrote in that essay, I'm going to read an excerpt here. It says, time has given me the space to outgrow my old self. It's shown me how to release so that expanding can be a part of my story and my life's work. I spent years being resentful about what I didn't have and what I didn't get and how I wasn't seen and heard. I'm starting to understand that I can be angry without letting anger stunt my growth. I can tell the little girl in me to go play now, that it's safe and okay, and she too can let go, that she doesn't have to sit in the window and wait anymore, and that her healing won't be steady, but her joy, if she chooses to bask in it, can't be compromised. And I think that has been the greatest lesson of that waiting and that expansion that, you know, not everybody is going to be who we need them to be. Not everybody is going to be who we want them to be. But those choices that they have made in our lives, yes, they can shape us, but they don't have to be our deciding factor of how we move forward. And I used my biological father as an example here because as someone who facilitated bringing me into this world, they still don't have the power to give me self-worth, even if I'm sitting by the window waiting. And I think mm-hmm. as I've grown and am raising my own children, and I have this amazing husband who has been helping me raise my daughter since she was four and a half, and seeing him in fatherhood with you know, all three of the girls just shows that self-worth is something that truly has to come from within. It doesn't matter 
the external, yes, is important. But what really is important is how we take care of home. And when I say home, I mean how we feel in our body and how we're taking care of our emotional state. So as an adult, I've had to do a lot of reparenting. And I talk about inner child work a lot. I've have, have been talking to little Alex and reparenting her and teaching her that it's okay, that she can grow through this and that she doesn't have to sit and wait anymore. Mm. Yes. Yes. Because, you know, I'm sure we both do. You talk to so many people in the DMs um, or you receive the emails and you can just tell that, again, we all have our own stories, but that people are just holding on and their their current self-worth is caught up still in what they did or did not get. Um, from mm-hmm. these folks when they were younger. And there's a quote too that I love from that section of the book, holding on to what could have been doesn't change what was yeah. and expecting anything different to manifest from things I cannot change only creates a dent in the power I am attempting to stand in. <sighs> I love that. <laughs> I love that, which is why anyone in my DMs if you hit me up, I'm just going to hit you with these excerpts and a link to buy. <laughs> Get I'm after so the happy to hear that, truly. You know, you've mentioned your husband several times. And one of the sections that I also really enjoyed was, I think it was validation. Um, and, and you talked about your situationship with the guy uh, that you were dating before your husband um, (laughs) years or so before and how you went through this journey of becoming celibate and just like not standing for any foolishness anymore. I think you say you were hunting for the love that you refused to see in yourself before Mm -hmm. you got to Mr. Right. Let's go back to how not doing this work yet had caused you to waste time with Mr. Wrong or mm. just not not right for you at that moment? Yeah, it was a lot of not rights for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I actually talked about this. I, I saved this conversation that I had with a friend of mine. I've been doing these um, lesson learned talks about after the rain and yesterday's topic was validation. So a lot of the stuff is still fresh on my mind. Um, and I think it's, So interesting. Something that I pointed out was I was the common denominator in these relations, these situationships, right? And so with that being said, it was time for me to make some different choices. It was time for me to lean in and be like, hmm, well, what about you? What ownership are you taking on here now? And what do you need to do to create the life that you want? And Taking away the blame that it was always someone else and not me was really where I had my my biggest breakthrough and lesson. Like no one is making you get in the car and drive to Richmond to date this guy. No one is, you know, forcing you to waste your time. You are choosing to do this because you are looking for this person and you have always been looking for people to validate your existence instead of leaning into the power that you are your own validation. And you know, I was, my goodness, I was like 23, 24 around that time. So clearly there was a lot of shape shifting happening in my early 20s. And I think validation was one of those essays that I look back at and I'm just like, oh, I wish I could just hug, <laughs> hug young <laughs> Alex because she was struggling. But I absolutely needed these experiences, right? And I, and a big part of that lesson is you mentioned Mr. Right. And while my husband is amazing, I love that man. We are best friends. I was not looking for completion when I met my husband. Mm. I was looking for a partner. I was looking for um, someone to complement my healing and my growth, not to complete me. And I think that was the biggest difference. And I talked about this when I was doing the chat with my friend, like, there was no chemistry. I mean, there was chemistry, but it wasn't like, oh my gosh, the smitten feeling. It was a feeling, a feeling of peace when I met my husband. Yeah. It was that peace that showed me, huh, I'm content with myself. And now I can enjoy this other person without having it be a 
deciding factor of whether or not I was worthy or whether or not I had to prove myself. I had already proven myself to myself and I was taking those steps. So any partner that I would have met through that situation would have been greeted with, does this person bring me peace? Does this person compliment me? And that's what validation taught me. It's like, it's not about what other people have to say about you and what, uh, how other people can love you is how, how are you loving yourself? What are you saying to yourself? How do you feel about yourself? And I know as human beings, it is absolutely necessary to have some outside validation, but that can't be the end all be all. Somebody else's praise and wanting of us and desire of us cannot be our end all be all to being standing in our power and being the greatest version of ourselves that we can be. That only can happen on the home front, which is start. It starts with self. So good. So good. Um, It really makes me want to share too. You know, you talked about it being the early twenties for you from the women that I talk to and the women who are listening right now, you might be in your thirties, you might be in your forties. And this one quote from that section on validation, I have to tell you, Alex says, at some point, nice enough has to stop being good enough. Mm. And I don't know who needs to hear that, but I know because I hear from you that so many of you may be tolerating relationships that just don't deserve you. Like they don't deserve you. And you even talk about, um, I think you say something like, it's funny how longing uh, can create fairy tales in our head. Mm, And I meet women who are brilliant, who have so much purpose in them, like so much to offer and they're in relationships that don't serve them. And those relationships are literally sucking the life out of them and blocking them from doing what God has called them to do. Amen. And... I need y'all to read (laughs) this section on validation. It's powerful. After validation, there's love. And you said you stopped wasting time and started figuring out who you were outside of motherhood and men, which was also brilliant. (laughs) With not having, going back to this, I think it's so important because You know, now you talk about having a supportive husband. I talk a lot about how much my husband has supported me over the years and also my best friend. But at the same time, as lovely as he is, as lovely as my daughter is, not growing up with a lot of love and affection as a kid, I still found it difficult to show affection. Mm. Like it's a, it's a constant reminder. I literally have a reminder every morning on my phone. It goes off at 9 a.m. and it says, be affectionate. Mm. Like I don't leave it up to chance because yeah. <laughs> it's not in my, nature. like I, I'm a, I'm like not a, not a huggy, huggy person. And my, my husband and my daughter are very, they're also Leos, by the way, very, very <laughs> touchy, touchy people. Yeah. And so I've had to learn how to embrace that. How are you as a mother and as a wife, if it wasn't necessarily that way for you growing up, is that just kind of natural to you now? Or is that something you've had to work on as well? So the affection has always been kind of natural because I longed for it. So when I had my first daughter, I mean, and she's still a snuggle bug. She's taller than me now and still wants to get in my lap. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Charlie, (laughs) please. I love you, but you are too big to be in my lap. (laughs) But so that was kind of easy, the affection part, especially giving it to my children. You know, I have these two little babies and they are very, very snuggly. And my husband is six, three and very snuggly too. So we're just a big ball of snuggles over here. But what I will say, what was hard was, was letting my husband love me. Mm. That was hard because I thought that he would take it away because love always felt conditional in my life. It always felt like a carrot dangling in front of me. And him and his family, he has a huge family. His mother was such a sweet woman. And, you know, they were raised saying, I love you 
they were raised hugging, kissing, you know, and, and, and just being present, emotionally present and seeing my husband with his siblings before we were married and I was getting to know the family, seeing them together and then seeing them, you know, fall out as siblings and then seeing them come back together and still love each other just as hard, if not harder, used to blow my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm the only child. So I didn't, I didn't have the pleasure of like experiencing siblinghood, which is probably why I have these three kids and we'll probably have more kids because I'm like, <laughs> ah, I'm longing for big family. But to see that love was never on the table. It was never a pawn. It was something that was just given because, because it was. Mm-hmm. And that used to just trip me out like big time. And I remember um, his mother, before she passed, the last trip she made before she passed uh, four years ago was to our wedding. And I remember her saying how much she loved me and how she was just rooting for us and that we need to stand in love and hold each other up. And I just remember thinking, this is what love is. It is a sacred, ceremonious, unconditional experience, not just a word, a phrase. It is an action. And my husband has taught me that I am deserving of love from others. I had really kind of gotten good at loving myself, Mm -hmm. but it was challenging to let other people love me because then it's like, but other people can drop the ball. You know, it was this vulnerability Mm -hmm. thing, right? And Ryan has shown me over the years, even through our hard times, even through our missteps, even through our devastation, that love is at the center. Love is at the center of how we parent, of, of our friendship as married people. I think his act of love was just waiting for me to accept, was just waiting for me to open the door to it. And it took a while. It took, it took a few years. We've been together seven years now, married for four. And it, it really took about three or four years <laughs> for me mm-hmm. to be like, he's not going anywhere. And yes, you can love yourself and let other people love you. Yeah. That is still such a work in progress with that. Yeah. I recognize that. And back to time, let me check my phone because I have so many things. <laughs> I have pictures <laughs> in my notes and all this. This gentle reminder from the book really mm-hmm. is great here. There will be moments when I have to start from scratch and begin again even after I've done intense work to mend, Mm -hmm. there's always more to learn in healing. And I just feel like that's so appropriate because for all the personal development and the self-love, you know, work and all the things, there's still every day new things to learn, new things to learn, new memories to explore, new wounds or old wounds, but new to you, (laughs) you know, sometimes new to your, your consciousness um, that need to heal. And after the rain is just such a great tool for that. I think I, I just really felt this book on so many different levels and man, I, I can't thank you enough for writing it. And thank you for sharing your experience. Before I let you go, because I would really talk to you all day. I'm not sure. You know, but I, really <laughs> I have time. I have time. I have nothing else on my calendar but you today. So, <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Before I let you go, I'm going to ask you a few uh, rapid wisdom questions that we do here on Redefining Wealth. And you're just going to tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. All right. The first one is how do you define success? Oh my gosh. These questions always throw me for a loop. I define success by feeling fulfilled in my heart and in my life's work, not by money, not by tangible things, but the feelings that I get showing up in my work and in my motherhood and in my partnership. That's success to me. Love it. How do you define wealth in three words or less? Mm. Emotional independence, 
self-care as community care and deciding to choose myself as a priority every day. So you just going to ignore my three words or less, huh, Alex? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm wordy, clearly. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I can say those again if you want. <laughs> three words or less. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Three words or less. Self-care as community care. Alex. What? Community care. Oh, that's four. Damn. Um, emotional intelligence. Right? That's two words. Am I getting it wrong? Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's no getting it wrong. It's cracking me up. It's cracking me up. We can keep all of that. Don't, we gotta, don't we gotta put these bloopers in so people can be like, Alex does not know how to follow directions. <laughs> just we're just gonna leave all of that right there. Um I ha- I had to give you a hard time because they'd be like, Oh, Alex is her favorite, so she's not gonna get on her about all these words. Okay. Um, all right, let's do the next one. What's one book that has helped you redefine how you see wealth? I would say The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Can you tell us why? Because as a creative person and someone who is on a spiritual path of like reawakening certain parts of myself, I find that creativity is a form of emotional currency and that makes me feel like I have a a well of wealth in front of me to be able to tap into my creative self and also align with a higher power, especially as a writer and someone who is artistic and creative. Love it. All right. You're going to fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Alex. And to me, the truth about wealth is it all starts with you. Love it. I love it. Thank (laughs) you so much, Alex. It has been a pleasure. Again, thank you for the work that you've done, the many bodies of work you've done, which I'm going to get caught up on, but in particular that I can speak from after the rain truly a game changer and we're making it like a holiday must buy here on redefining wealth i don't care who you are what your experience has been what your journey has looked like there is no way that you can't use these gentle reminders for healing courage and self-love alex you have done a beautiful job and just god bless you for the work that you do in the world thank you so much it was great talking to you All right. Was that not just a yummy conversation? Listen, I can't tell you enough how much After the Rain has been a game changer. Unlike many people out there, I think she has well over 800 or 900,000 Instagram followers. I know many of you purpose chasers were probably already in love with Alexandra. I had no idea what I was getting in the mail and it literally took me down a path of so much just self-reflection and remembering the lessons. And man, it, it it literally is a book that I think every woman should have. I want every purpose chaser to have it. So much so that I officially want it to be like our holiday book suggestion. You know, like I want you to go out and get this book for yourself. I'm telling you, it will bless you. And I want you to pick up a copy for a girlfriend. And this probably seems really strange because as you know, I'm in the middle of my own pre-orders for Redefine Wealth for Yourself. But I don't have a scarcity mentality. I don't have a lack of mentality. I know that this book is going to bless you. It is going to heal some of those limiting beliefs, some of that imposter syndrome, some of those relationships that may be toxic and unhealthy in your life. And it's not a long and hard read. It gets straight to the heart and the core of the matter. And I believe that there is space for you to order both. (laughs) So while you're ordering after the rain, you can also pick up your copy of Redefine Wealth for yourself. But seriously, It's a book that I just think we all need. And I would also encourage you to check out 
Alex's podcast. It's called the Hey Girl Podcast. Check that out as well. Just such an amazing spirit. And I know that as Purpose Chasers, you will really connect with the light and the heart and the truth of that book. So After the Rain is a must-have for this holiday season. And I haven't shared this yet, and I'm probably going to get in trouble because, you know, I am the queen of telling you guys things before I'm technically supposed to by the team's standards. However, we are looking at doing 12 Days of Purpose And we're going to have giveaways of some of my favorite things this holiday season. And Alexandra L's book, After the Rain, is going to be one of those things because it was one of my bright spots in 2020. So I'm putting together 12 things that were a bright spot amidst all this craziness. And I'm going to give it away to my purpose chasers. So we're still figuring out the logistics and what that'll look like and how you can participate, but really excited that this book will be a part of it. So come on over if you're not already in our Facebook group, the Redefining Wealth Facebook group. Listen, purpose chasers in that group are always going to hear about things first. If you are listening to just the podcast, you will always hear about it probably last. It goes first to the Purpose Chasers group, then to the email list, then social media, and then the podcast gets woven in there somewhere. So love y'all, but you got to get in the know by coming over to the free Redefining Wealth with Patrice Washington Facebook community page. And don't miss our 12 Days of Purpose. All right. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.